I invite you to come and join me as we take a pause in our busy day and pursue soul care as we allow our bodies to slow down and our minds to be renewed with goodness, truth, and hope. This is PRN. Pause. Renew. Next. Welcome back, friends, to our series on attachment. This is actually the last episode in the series. I hope that you've enjoyed it so far. I know that I have. I've learned a lot, and I hope that you guys have too. Last week, we talked about attachment with God, and in this week's episode, we're continuing that theme. But before we begin, I like to start out my episodes doing a little bit of a calm down exercise. So let's just take a couple of deep breaths together. Wherever you've been in your day, whatever has preceded this moment, I'm thankful that you're here. And so that we can be present together, let's just inhale deeply and exhale. Inhale deep, deep through your nose. Hold it and then exhale. If that feels good to you, keep on doing a few more as we begin our podcast episode. Well, you guys, in today's episode, we are covering a lot of the ground that we have in previous episodes. So if you've missed this attachment series, I hope you'll go back and check out the whole series because in today's episode, we're doing like a flyover over a lot of things that we've talked about before, but kind of in a different way. So before we were talking about attachment in our human relationships, like with our caregivers, in our romantic relationships. But today we're talking about what does attachment look like when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to our relationship with God. In last week's episode, we talked about secure attachment, and we talked about David as being a really great example of that. But in today's episode, we're talking about insecure attachment. So if you hear me today talk about some insecure styles that sound like the way that you perceive your relationship to be with God, there is so much hope for shifting that. And I want to talk about that in today's episode too, because that is really, really hopeful. If this stuff wasn't changeable, if we were just messed up and we couldn't fix it, (laughs) then there'd be no hope in talking about this attachment stuff at all. But the thing is, God created us for relationship with others, with himself. And so I think that there is so much hope in what we're going to talk about today. Kurt Thompson says, while the term earned secure attachment is used by researchers to describe the experience between two people, essentially it's the process through which God wants to take all of us. God is moving us all from deep places of insecurity to security. And I could not agree more with that. So as a review, the three insecure styles are anxious ambivalent, dismissive avoidant, and disorganized. So before we talk about those three and what they look like with our relationship with God, I just want to give credit where credit is due. A lot of the info that I'm talking about in today's episode comes from one book called Attached to God by Crispin Mayfield. If you like what you hear in today's episode and you want to do more of a deep dive, I really, really highly recommend this book, and I will link to it in today's show notes as well. Okay, so first let's talk about how exactly does attachment get set up 
in our relationship with God. You know, there are a few different ideas about that. One being that whatever our relationship is with our caregiver, with our earthly father, let's say, that's the same attachment style we have with God. But I don't think that that always rings true. And I do think it's possible to have a secure relationship with your parents and not have one with God and vice versa. I also think it's possible to have a different attachment style with God in a way than you do with your primary attachment figures. So how does it get set up? Well, I think that there could be a lot of different ways that it gets set up. One being, yes, what we're taught about God from the very beginning. I do think our framework for relationship strategies does affect all of that. I do think that there is a layer to that, like how we perceive relationships, our framework and our brain for that, and which does get set up a lot by our primary caregivers, probably does affect the way that we see God. But there's a lot of other things as well. I think the people that teach us about God from the very beginning, they set up a layer of how we perceive God and how we perceive our relationship with him. The relationship that we have with those people who teach us about God, I think that that could affect things. The particular doctrines and theologies and church practices that we're a part of, I think that those can affect a lot of things. There are so many different things that could affect this. And let's also not forget like church hurt or trauma or spiritual abuse. I mean, that will throw a wrench in all of this as well. So there's a lot of different things that can affect this. So let's start back with anxious ambivalent. What does anxious ambivalent attachment with God look like? Well, as a review, anxious ambivalent attachment looks like being stuck in refuge seeking, being afraid that our caregiver is not going to be there for us when we need them feeling like we need to keep them close. It might look a little clingy in a way, like our attention is very closely linked to whatever's going on with our primary caregiver. We don't really want to let them out of our sight. And the reason for that is because we've learned that sometimes they're there for us and sometimes they're not. So in case they're not going to be, we're going to have our eyes on them to make sure that they don't get away. (laughs) And because of that, if you guys remember from previous episodes, People with anxious ambivalent attachment have a difficult time going out into explore mode. The reason for that is because they want to keep their caregiver close and there's a lot of anxiety there. So they don't really feel free to go out and do their own thing. So what does that look like with God? It looks like worriedly seeking closeness with God, fearing that the moment we relax or that we make a mistake or that we're not doing the right practices We're going to slide into separation with him or worse that he's going to leave us like we're convinced it's entirely up to us to maintain closeness with God. And that leads us to not be able to rest with him. With God and spiritual practices, this can look like worrying about drifting, backsliding, worrying that God does love us, but maybe not enough or maybe We're not doing the right things to keep him pleased with us enough, or maybe we're not engaging in the practices that we should be, so we're not keeping up our end of the deal. And if we're not good enough, what if he then abandons us? It can look like testing to make sure he's still there or that he still loves us. Rather than feeling free and equipped to go out and do the things that he's called us to do, knowing that he's there and he supports us 100%. With anxious attachment style, sometimes we try to get close to God through obeying rules or keeping track of how righteous or unrighteous we are. 
I also think it can look like trying to conjure up emotional experiences with God, like trying to hit the mountaintops often. Um, And then when we're in the valley, feeling like maybe he left us because, you know, nobody can stay on the mountaintop of, (laughs) of spiritual experiences all the time. Sometimes we are in a low place or sometimes we are in like a monotonous place where we're maybe not experiencing God in the emotional ways that we sometimes do. And that can lead to a lot of anxiety for people. The pain of this attachment style is about feeling like I'll be abandoned if I don't try hard enough. And that is both exhausting and scary. The need behind it is to know that there's nothing I can do that will separate us, that I can relax knowing that you'll stay close even if I don't try so hard all the time. If that rings true for you, friend, if you feel like in your relationship with God, over time you notice, not just sometimes, but consistently, that deep, deep down you're afraid God's going to abandon you, that either you're going to do something so bad or not good enough or not be able to keep his attention or not be able to follow his rules or not be able to do the right things at the right times enough that eventually he's going to drop you Or maybe he's not going to hold you and just keep you the way that you deep, deep down really want. And you find yourself clinging through performance or desperation. You know, that path leads us to spiritual exhaustion. Because we just can't keep that up, can we? Just like we can't keep it up in a relationship, in a human relationship. How it can feel like too much to have to keep track of somebody else all the time, constantly being worried they're going to leave us. The opposite side of that in healing looks like being able to rest, being able to know and feel that we can trust, that we are loved, that we can be held and we don't have to be the one to do all the clinging. So what are the ways to get there? Well, if you recognize this in yourself, I do hope that you'll go get that book and read about it. I also hope that you will talk to the people that you love Um, even a spiritual director or a pastor about this tendency in yourself or a Christian therapist, and pray about it for sure. But I also want to encourage you in a couple of ways to really practice resting rather than striving and striving and striving, which leaves you feeling burned out and tired. Try to rest. Try to know that no matter what you do or what you don't do, God's attention has not drifted from you. He loves you just the same, no matter what. I really encourage you to practice the Sabbath. I think it's really, really important, not because God told you to do it, because it's a commandment, but because he gave it to you as a gift, just to practice being in his presence and allowing yourself to enjoy it. I also want to read to you an exercise that you can practice if you'd like to. That is written in Crispin Mayfield's book. It's called The Monument Exercise. And here's what you can do. Identify a time that you felt safe or loved or calm and felt God's presence. It doesn't have to be a lot of times. Just if you can identify one time. Maybe it was at church. Maybe it was on a hike. Maybe it was in your backyard. Is there a concrete reminder of that time? like a picture, a song, a poem, an image in your mind that you can return to? If not, draw or create an image that reminds you of that experience. 
picture it in your mind, take a mental snapshot, draw it if you want to, then take that reminder and place it somewhere that you'll regularly see it. This helps your, the right side of your brain and the left brain logically integrate statements you know about God's love and that you can remind yourself of, even if you're not necessarily feeling it in that moment. Okay, the second of the insecure attachment styles we're going to talk about today is dismissive or avoidant. You probably heard me call them both before. But just to make it even more confusing, (laughs) Crispin Mayfield in his book calls it shut down spirituality. So shut down. You may hear me call it that, or you may hear me call it avoidant or dismissive. All of those things, it's the same thing. In that avoidant or shut down attachment, is a pattern for trying to get rid of negative emotions so that we can get close to God. So remember, in avoidant attachment, we learn early in our early, 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 early in our childhoods that our parents or our primary caregivers can't handle negative emotions. And because of that, we learn how to stuff them and not feel. And we go through the motions and we get stuck in explore mode. We don't, get, we don't do too much of that refuge seeking because we're not sure that we're really going to be comforted. So we stay more in that explore mode, keeping our attention on objects, on uh, the left side of the brain more, like logical things or things that we can control or manipulate out in the world, rather than that right side of the brain that focuses more on emotions and interpersonal connections. There's a presumption that emotions like fear, sadness, pain, and doubt are incompatible with the life of faith. So practically, in churches or in our faith communities, that kind of attachment looks like finding ways to connect by sidestepping emotions, both with God and with people. So that could look like staying busy by volunteering or doing uh, service kinds of things around the church. It could look like even leading a small group. And spending a lot of time in the cerebral part, like deep content, but not a lot of deep sharing about emotions or in a way that there's deep personal connection in the room. It focuses more on cerebral things like planning, organizing, doctrines, thinking about scripture by using our heads, not without our hearts. Not in a way that allows deep community and being deeply known by God or by others in the body of Christ. For people with avoidant or shutdown attachment, things feel a lot safer that way. The attachment pain associated with this shutdown attachment style is knowing that I've had to handle emotions all by myself. It felt like you couldn't be bothered with the things that were bothering me. It felt really lonely. That's what we might feel about our caregivers, but in a way, maybe about God as well. The need behind that is to know that you'll hear and respond to my worry or sadness, that it will bring you close, not drive you away. So if we feel like in our relationship with God that we have to be performing or we can only bring the good or the joy to him, that we're not allowed, we're not free to complain or to um, lament or to express ourselves deeply with the people in the body of Christ because it may not be accepted by them, or maybe because we don't recognize those things in ourselves. (laughs) Like maybe feelings are hard for us, period. So it's just a lot easier 
to stay in the cerebral part and just talk about scripture or just about service and not about deeper deeper things about the way that we feel on the inside or what we might need from God. If expressing your needs to God, your deep, deep needs is difficult for you, then this may be your attachment style. The need behind it is to know that God's present with me in all my emotions, no matter how I feel, no matter what I'm experiencing, even if I'm sad or worried or scared. The unhealthy practice of avoiding through tasks or head knowledge means that in the end, we're disconnected and or isolated. So the path to healing here would be learning healthy ways of connecting with the body of Christ, with others, with God, with our own emotions, and through story and scripture so that we can reach deep engagement with the Lord the way that we really want deeply to be known and to know. So just like I talked about in previous episodes when it comes to this one, I think a lot of people who have this attachment style maybe don't feel the deep desire to want to change because it sounds uncomfortable to get to know your emotions or to express them (laughs) if your whole life you really haven't. Or if you're afraid that God is going to dismiss you in a way if you do come to him with your deep desires and your deep needs. So yes, there's a risk involved, but I encourage you that it's so worth it to be deeply connected with your Heavenly Father as well as others in the body of Christ. God made us for connection. So a path towards that is to practice knowing and sharing your emotions and your needs with close people in your life that are safe. I also encourage you to begin writing and praying about lament things that are hard, things that are sad, things that do bring you fear. Begin practicing sharing those with God and see what that experience is like for you. But here's another practice that you can try as well if you identify with this attachment style that's found in the book Attached to God. Rather than engaging in scripture in just a head and knowledge way, one way to get a little deeper and begin to identify more with the story and the characters and the emotions is to engage in the narrative in a personal way. Uh, Jonathan Haidt wrote, the human mind is a story processor, not a logic processor. So here is a story exercise. Choose a brief story from scripture and read it through one time. Identify one person in the story as well as one specific scene. Then read the story again, focusing on that person's particular experience. Notice what they might be feeling, what their goals and motivations are, what their background might be. Then close your eyes and imagine what it would be like to be that person. The facial expressions you would see, the feelings you would have, what things would bring you joy. Notice how this way of engaging scripture feels different from talking about the story. And in that same way, notice how different it feels to be with God rather than talking about God. Okay, the last attachment style we're going to talk about in today's episode is disorganized. Although, if you listened to a previous episode about insecure attachment styles, you'll know that this one's pretty rare. When it comes to attachment with our primary caregivers, this one happens in times of neglect or abuse. It it tends to get set up when our primary caregiver is the person that we should go to that should feel safe. 
but they don't feel safe. So instead, we kind of get stuck and don't know who to go to. But in this book, in Attached to God, Crispin Mayfield calls this one the shame-filled attachment style. And actually, I think that the way he talks about it is really beautiful and very helpful. And I do believe, even though most, most people, the majority of people don't have a disorganized attachment style, I think that there are a lot of people who have a shame-filled attachment style with their Heavenly Father. So let's talk about this one for a minute. It's called shame-filled for a good reason. So shame is a deep emotion that disconnects us from others. It makes us want to hide. It makes us feel gross inside. It makes us not even be able to make eye contact with other people. And it's been happening since the Garden of Eden, since Adam and Eve hid from God. The pain of this attachment style is that I felt like you were disappointed in me or disgusted with me. It made me feel unlovable, and I carried so much shame. The need behind it is to know that you like me just as I am. So Karen Purvis worked a lot in research and helping parents of children who come from hard places. And by that, I mean kids who had adverse early childhood experiences or were in foster care or in abusive situations or went through medical trauma, all those kinds of things. She writes that a lot of the kids she worked with that came from really hard places early in life, probably who had that disorganized attachment style, feel black inside like rotten inside, like there's something wrong with them. Like the theme there is that I'm bad, like I'm polluted. And I think shame-filled is another good way of saying that. So what does that look like in our relationship with God? Well, it may look like uh, I don't think that God really likes me for who I am. Like I know he has to love me, I guess, because Jesus died for me and stuff. But like, I don't know that he actually really likes me. Maybe it looks like having to constantly earn your salvation or be in God's good standing in some way, or it can look like really uh, ugly humility in a way, like um, self-deprecating. So in other words, if we can't eradicate the unholy parts of us, if we can't make ourselves good enough to think that God likes us or loves us, then at least we can hate those parts of ourselves. Like we can join with God by hating what God hates and presume that might be a part of ourselves. But I just want you to know that's not really the heart of the gospel. Henry Nouwen writes, Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us beloved. So the need behind this attachment style is to know that God likes me. To experience belovedness, knowing that he delights in us, as Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich talked about, the joy of being loved for you because he loves you like he delights in you. He thinks you're the best. The unhealthy path for this is self-punishment or self-criticism, shame. And really what that is, is veiled sometimes in a spiritual way, but really what it is, is shame and self-hatred. And God really wants to come for us, you guys, and heal us of that. He doesn't want to join us in our own self-hatred. He wants to heal us from it. So what does healing look like? It looks like true connection. Crispin Mayfield writes, We can move toward healing only when we understand it is a painful sign that we need closeness, rather than taking it as confirmation that we need to be holier. 
Like an infected wound, the pain of shame tells us that we need extra care and tenderness. We need to experience a divine parent who delights in us and draws close because we are so very loved. So just like in these other two attachment styles, if you hear me talking about that today and that really rings true for you, you've noticed that in your relationship with Christ, you identify with a lot of the things that I shared just now, then I really encourage you to spend time with people who you know really love you for who you are. To spend time with a good Christian therapist or a spiritual director or a pastor that is safe or somebody in your life who can speak God's truth and God's goodness to you in a way that you tangibly can feel. And here's another exercise that you might want to practice. Find some kind of calm, quiet activity that you're going to do, like taking a walk, looking out the window, playing in your garden, whatever you want to do, playing some music, something that's calming and quiet, and then invite God to join you. If you want to, you can even picture him being with you, like sitting with you. Sometimes while I'm driving down the road, you guys, I picture Jesus sitting in the passenger seat. There's something about picturing his bodily presence that sometimes helps me stay a little more focused. You can do that if you want, but you don't have to. I want you to acknowledge that there's no need to force yourself to feel any kind of way or to have some kind of takeaway from your time with God. There's there's no expectation. You're just practicing the presence of God, just being with them. Just like you would your parent, just because they like you, just because they want to hang out with you. You're just going to sit with them for a while. And then afterward, reflect on how this felt compared with other spiritual activities. Were there parts that were more or less helpful? Was it uncomfortable? What do you notice in your body as you sit there? If you were to imagine God's face, Jesus' face, as he's spending time with you, what would his face be looking like? Okay, friends, it has been my joy and my honor to share all this info with you guys. I think it may have been a bit much, and in a way, probably not deep enough on these subjects. I hope I did it justice, especially in talking about our relationship with God. The thing that I know about God is that He says in His Word, If you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. He also says, Those who love God are known by God. Here's the thing. He loves you so much. If you want to be known by him, you will be. If you want to get to know him, he's there. He wants to get to know you too. So if you feel like your attachment style has gotten in the way, either because people who taught you didn't represent him well, or because somewhere along the line, maybe you've been hurt or misinformed about God and the way that He wants to interact with you, then I just really pray over you that God would begin to heal that relationship, that He would be a safe place to run to, that you would feel His delight, that you would feel His comfort. And on that note, I want to leave you with a benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm Jenny Detweiler with PRN. Pause, renew, next. May you be encouraged on your journey with Jesus.